This podcast is brought to you by the website of doom.com. Hello and welcome to Aaron Fever Talks 2. I am Aaron Fever and I'm going to be talking to Hassan Osman El Hau, um, which I said like a pro, but you'll hear at the start of this podcast how I made a tit of myself trying to say a surname. But <laughs> I'm sorry, Hass, once again. Uh, Hass is an absolute sweetheart, first of all, I need to get that across. The first time I met him, he just almost crumbled. Um, with shyness and and love uh, when I told him that I had watched his YouTube channel, um, which is Strip Panel Naked, which is a great YouTube channel. Really well-respected YouTube channel as well uh, within the comics community for comics critique. He really gets into the nitty-gritty and nuts and bolts of how people make comic with uh, art and writing and and all of the tools that go into it. He's uh, he's a knowledgeable guy and uh, a fun guy. Uh, we had a great talk about uh, just different parts of his life and and his interests in comics and, and films that he also makes as well. He's uh, he's currently making uh, Toy Men. He has a few things to plug, and we will get into that in the in the show. So uh, make sure to to have a pen ready to write down links and stuff that we tell you about when we do. Uh, but in the meantime, I. I need to tell you about a link which is my patreon patreon.com forward slash aaron fever this is the place that has funded this podcast by beautiful people who have donated all you have to donate is as little as one dollar a month a number of people have done that and i'm very happy that they have uh shout out to the likes of colin and widge and scott some people who i know who are great uh, supporters there if you do that it helps to pay for things like hosting costs and equipment and it also helps me to do things like uh, next month i'm doing some comic conventions here in dublin uh, and i'll be selling some comics both the making of those comics and my uh, printing of those comics and my appearance at those conventions have all been partially funded by this patreon so you know a lot of the great the creative things that i've been able to do is thanks to those backers and i'm thanking you once again you're you're all wonderful so consider joining that group of people who have my love why wouldn't you want my love take my love all right i'll stop being weird (laughs) we'll just start talking just a heads up before uh, you start listening this was recorded over the course of two days because the first day we started recording this a heat wave is currently happening both in within ireland which is where i am and within england which is where Hass is and it's crazy weather and his electricity went out about 10 minutes in to the podcast that you're about to hear. So if you hear like a weird edit or us talking about having uh, uh, spoken about things the day before, <laughs> that's what happened. We had a bit of a calamity of errors. It was, it was interesting, but thankfully his electricity came back and we're all good. So nothing more to do than for you to listen to when Aaron Fever talked to Hassan Otsman Elhau. I'm just checking my levels here because <laughs> I'm an amateur. Am I, am I, am I real no, you're good. You're good. You're good. I have, a, I have a tendency to go loud. Okay, Wh- wherever you I are, get exci- I get excited. Okay, well, I, <laughs> <laughs> I well, luckily, thank God for Levelator, which is a wonderful program which evens everybody out to the same uh, uh, pitch. Um, so it's it's <laughs> we we won't be uh, like ah, I'm loud. I'm talking and hi, <laughs> hi, welcome to the podcast. Nice, yeah, nice. Uh, so um, I have to do the thing. I've done research, minimum research, as every podcast, right. uh, every podcaster will do, is minimum research. But um, I cannot find one audio recording of you saying your surname. 
<laughs> wow. Okay. Really? Yeah. No I, I could. Well, you don't do it on your on um, strip panel naked because it's always just hi, I'm Hass. Um, and That's then, true. and yeah. then, uh, and what then was you, your what was your take on it? Uh, oh, okay. All right. Hold on. Let me bring it up because I I gotta read it again. Um, <laughs> Because I um, there's a I think I feel pretty good on the first half, but the second half I'm going to take a risk because there's a bit that I think <laughs> okay. that I think because because uh, where 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 does the name come from? Uh, well, it, it's Algerian, but it, it got changed because uh, the, the French, the evil, horrible French, were in Algeria for like 300 years, and they oh. changed it. So it's like it's like an Algerian French mix. Okay, because I think the first half is Otsmane. That is not correct. Oh shit! All right, well, this is not going to go well then. Okay, all right. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You were close though. Okay, good. Uh, I and I have a funny feeling the second half because I'm taking a real risk with this because I'm gonna throw in a W sound which I feel like is not there at all. <laughs> uh, but El El Wahu. Wow, I've never heard it said like that before. <laughs> No, no. I like it though. I like what I like what you're doing with it. But uh, you are. I don't know where the where's the W come. I t- I think it's because because I when I see because I did a little bit of French in school and so when I see like A O U and stuff like that I don't know why but I I make it sound like a like a oiseau or like some French words that I see with a lot of vowels in it. I don't know. I'm throwing W's in for for no reason. You were you were there was a W. Well, I saw the first half. Yeah, the, the the e at the end is the misleading part because that's that's silent, so it's just Otsman. Okay. It's easier. It's easier than it seems. This is this is the, this is the thing. <laughs> and then and then the second half, you're right that there is like there is sort of like a W sound, but it comes at the end, so it's it's El How. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah Otsman you... El How. It's an easy surname. It just looks ridiculous on paper. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's kind of uh, because. It depends on yeah. If you read it straight, that's exactly how it is. I was overcomplicating it like a crazy person because I kept oh. accepting there's some sort of like you know, oh there'll be a twist on this. I'm sure. Osmani is the one everyone always says Osmani like okay. every time. And then the, the and then the second bit is just that's just up for grabs. That's just you know you play it by ear because sometimes it gets some weirdly. I had El Chau a lot that comes up a lot. El Howie comes up a lot, which is quite close, I suppose. I suppose. And yeah. then, or just a, a casual shrug is usually the the best <laughs> one. No one's ever just gone with like it's it's Hassan O E. <laughs> oh yeah, I get yeah. It's just oh, my brother got rid of it. So when my brother got married, he just dropped the El How part. So he's just Rashid Osman. Oh okay. And you? Yeah, it, it bothers me a little bit because it's like just don't say it. But then you sort of taken away. I don't know. I don't know. It, but I don't really use it to be fair either. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing because I guess I because I have a weird association with my surname because I go by a stage name, mm-hmm. um, and so. Uh, I have that weird thing now where I also I'm doing the thing where I forget when people ask me like if I go into a like a bank and they say like oh write your name and I'm like oh wait has, has, there's, a, there's a brief pause before I remember what my real name actually is. <laughs> what, what is your actual surname? My actual surname is Pool, so P O L L E. So it's yeah. like it's very simple, but I it was one of those things that if you don't really hit the L hard. <laughs> 
people give you a quizzitive look. Um, and so, you know, I find it doesn't myself... have the same razzmatazz either, though, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, like, yeah, it's it doesn't. Uh... <laughs> and I, I have to then, like, people always ask me, then why? Did, where did you come up with fucking fever? Like, why? Like, why go with that one? And I, I have to tell the awkward story of like, okay, well, my first. Uh, f- uh, foray into entertainment uh, was a podcast that I did for like a hundred episodes, and it was quite popular. It was on uh, Kevin Smith's website, Quick Stop Entertainment, and yes. it got like nice listeners and stuff. And so uh, it was called Cabin Fever, and like a lot of Spice Girls, I thought <laughs> like, oh, I'll be Aaron Spice, I'll be Aaron Fever. <laughs> Um, nice. so, yeah. Aaron Spice is good as well. If you have, a, if you want from the backup, that's quite solid. I like that. I know, and in hindsight, it left me open for a lot of puns with Dune and stuff that I could do, and it would have been, it would have been nice. But yeah. Uh, so, but the reason, the reason why, yeah, the reason why I asked about that is because uh, you, um, yeah, you go by Hassan Oe and stuff like that. And do you, do you, have you ever been tempted to kind of like change it like your brother did? Have you ever been tempted to kind of like go, oh, I'll shorten it? Because it's when you work in the media, the accessibility thing is kind of something that you're pushed on, like your branding. Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? No, I don't. I probably should think about branding. That would be what smart people would do, I suppose, wouldn't it? But um, no, I just. Uh... It's always been awkward, though. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's always been awkward since I was a kid. So it's not. I think you just get used to it. Like yeah. when I like I like I remember when I was eight and we moved to. Um, have we have we started by the way? Oh yes, we have. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, you we 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 started Sorry. by we start we started by me uh, basically being really super awkward uh, and embarrassing myself, which is how all podcasts just start. I wasn't sure if this was like if this is full story time, but I'll give you the story. It's just yeah. it's, it's not that interesting, I suppose. But it's um, you know when I, when I was eight, we moved from where I was where I was growing up at the time, which was just outside of Newcastle, and we moved to um, like a little village uh, in in South Yorkshire, and um, it was you know it was a very white area, uh, and my dad, as an Algerian man, is uh, brown, uh, and it was. Uh, I think we, we we were definitely sort of like the brownest family, even though everyone else in the family is white. Um, but our names are weird. So, you know, I turned up to the school and they did this horrible thing. I mean, it, I suppose it's not really horrible. It's kind of like a way to sort of introduce yourself to the class. But at the time, it was horrible. Uh, it was like the first day there. I'm like, how old have I been? Eight years old, I think. Seven or eight years old. Oh, yeah. um, and I had to stand up in front of this class of of, of kids who've never met me before. And I was like, my name's Hassan Otsman Al-Hau. I'm from Newcastle. And I remember a kid asking me, where, like, where are you really from? Which was a good question. And I was, didn't really know how to answer that. That was quite an existential oh. crisis I had like, in front of the class. And I was like, well, that, you know, there's a million answers to that question. I'm my, not sure which one you're looking for. My mummy's tummy? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember a kid asking me... Uh, if I could read hieroglyphics, and I appreciate the the I appreciate the the effort. I mean, he was wrong. He had the wrong country, <laughs> but I appreciate. You know, he was in the right continent, I suppose. And he was he was close. It's was not. It wasn't a million miles away. Um, we share a border, Egypt and Algeria. I think we do. I think we I, share a border. I think you guys do. Yeah, yeah. My geography is so bad. Um, no, but yeah, so it, ever since I was a kid, it's it's always been a bit awkward. So I I, but I but the thing is, I like it. Do you know, I I. I think I like making people a little bit awkward sometimes. So I like, I like the name and I like the fact that it kind of, um, I don't like the idea of like trying to conform a little bit just to some kind of fake normality to make life easier because you know, it's not easy in any other regard really. So why should my name be easy? No, definitely. And I also, the, I, I'm trying to imagine cause you have a very golden syrupy voice. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I'm trying to imagine an eight-year-old Hass with like a Geordie accent. Yeah, yeah, it went it went pretty quick, and then I had a, a really vague uh, Yorkshire accent for a little bit, and then um, I probably do still have a bit of an accent. I don't think I've been in the South for quite a long time now, though, so it's disappeared. My mum was always one of those people that would like. You know, she had like a really broad because my mum's from from Yorkshire, so my mum really has a really broad Yorkshire accent, and uh, she was always she'd always put on like a sort of a posh RP <laughs> accent to, and we you know we she'd always try and make us sound a bit posher because I think she was aware of the fact that we just sounded like little northern scallywags. Is that a word? Can you? Is that, that's a fine word, isn't oh, it? Oh yeah, little, little little northern scallywags in our in our <laughs> shell suits. Uh, so yeah, but I've been in the South now enough to have lost it. But when I was a kid, I just had a horribly... A kid, I remember a guy when I moved to high school, a guy told me that I sounded like a chipmunk. Um, wow. Until I, was about, yeah, until I was about 14 or 15. And then the magic hit. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the voice came. You just woke up one morning and you were like, oh. <laughs> I, do, I do remember my cousin who was, what, six or seven years younger than me, I think. And I remember seeing him one day and he just sort of looked at me and gave me like a weird squint and was like, you sound different. And I was like, you know, that awkward stage of puberty when yeah, everything's changed and you don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> it was a little bit like that. I sort of started crying and ran away. Oh, no. <laughs> I was a very late bloomer. I think I was like, I was good at least 16 before like really puberty properly hit me. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good time, is it? Generally. No. Like it's, and it's one of those weird things where it's like, I wish knowing it's one of the easiest. I think that's just probably, you'll have that in every time you life. But I like, if I could go back to that time, knowing what I know now, it would be it, like, life would be so much easier, but it's just, it's just like, everything's firing on all cylinders, isn't it? Like every, emotion <laughs> like every bit of like <laughs> hormone is just going full pelt and your body, your body just hasn't figured out what to like tune out yet so it's it's a it's a weird time yeah it's a weird time in life and and when so you you went did you go to uni yeah i, I went to yeah uh i went to uh i studied film production um which was because I, I i went to so i went to like an ex grammar school because i remember my choice was i could either go to a school which was like 50 minutes away every day by bus um, or go to the local comprehensive where they had security cameras in the hallways, and that it wasn't the it wasn't the easiest decision. No, it was it was very quick. It was a very quick decision to make. Um, but they but they they didn't you know they had no, like no creative programs or anything like that. They had no you had no way of like trying to do something um, that wasn't that was more vocational, I guess. Right. Unless you did art, and you know, I remember my art teacher at GCSE, horrible man who I, I wanted to draw a comic book or like a short comic book or even just a comic page. And he made me, he told me comics weren't art specifically and that oh. we, I should do like pop art instead. So he made me draw like, like, you know, like with gouache paints and the, the Ben Day dots. And that's what they're called, isn't it? And yeah, like, and all this, and it's like, it just really was not <laughs> what I really, what I wanted to be doing. It was <laughs> sort of a weird version of that. You're, um, so you're basically spending the rest of your life trying to prove that guy wrong now. <laughs> yeah, basically. That's where, it's just sent to therapy, isn't it? That's where it, <laughs> That's where all that's where it all stems from was getting. But I can't remember his name. Getting, but he always smelled like cigarettes. And he just he had like a long um, grey ponytail. I'm sure he was a nice person. Uh, just, <laughs> just I had one interaction with him that I didn't like when I was like 16, it's, and it's ruined the rest of my life. I feel like every school has a teacher like that, and it just depends on what subject they're doing. Can really like in, like change how you live the rest of your life. I feel. <laughs> like, yeah. We had yeah. we had like an alcoholic teacher who would like take sips out of a little <laughs> flask. 
and then like in this top pocket in the middle class. And luckily he taught like geography, so I wasn't too worried about it. <laughs> but that's fine. At least he was being honest about his disdain. Do you know what I mean? At yeah. least he he was being upfront about the fact he didn't really care about you all. Whereas <laughs> whereas he did it. My art teacher did it under the proviso of like, I'll help you get better at art because I know what real art is. And it was just, it was a bit, yeah. And so in A-levels, because um, in A-levels we had this thing on a Wednesday afternoon called, you can tell it's like an ex-grammar school, so we had this thing called complementary activities, which was just like, you know, go to the gym or do some sports or, um, I don't know. I don't know what everyone else did. I just I just made films, but there was <laughs> stuff you could do. And I remember asking my English teacher, I was like, I, you know, we, we had a thing called mind games, which was meant to be like chess. You, you basically play chess in the library, but no one did it because who, who's going to go play chess in the library for a whole afternoon on a Wednesday? It's ridiculous. Yeah. So we, we, we did that, but then we used to play board games. Um, and then we used to play like, you know, like Mario Kart. And then it was just, I just figured like I should probably do something valuable with my time. Uh, and um, yeah, made asked if I could make a film, and this this really nice English teacher sort of st- like showed me the process sort of stuff, and then I just spent Wednesday afternoons for my sort of second year in A levels, just like n- making crap knockoffs knockoffs of like real films. Like our first one was a really terrible Reservoir Dogs, um, <laughs> like it was genuinely quite awful. Uh, and then yeah, we made like a horror film that we that that was just like you know someone walking around with blood on a shirt and stuff like that. It was, they were quite bad, but they were just good enough to get me into a, into university. <laughs> so, uh, and that's, yeah, that's what I ended up doing film production. Uh, horror film seems to always be the go-to of like trainee filmmakers. It's it, it every, every, especially the boys, the boys are always just drawn to making like, especially zombie movies too. I don't know if it's just our <laughs> generation or something or what, but I've never made a zombie film. Really? Yeah, and my, my that ho- that horror film is the only time I've ever made anything that's even remotely close to horror, and, it, and we never finished it. So, I, I mean, in theory, I've never actually made a horror film. <laughs> I hate, I, I don't I, like they're really good because you can make them for really cheap. I think that that's the thing is like it's a, like they, they don't require any names, they don't require any like buy-in from any uh, pre-established stories or characters or whatever, um, and you can make, make them for real, real cheap. So that's the reason why so many people make them to break in because it's like it's a it's a short it's a really easy way to get your stuff seen. But I I I don't think I could make I don't want to say that because I, what if I make a horror film? So I don't want to say I can't make a horror film, but it's not my it's not my route. All my films are the same thing. They're all just like um, people in their mid twenties not understanding how life works and trying to figure it out. That's basically it's like it's just every single film is just the same. It's just me and me and the writer, well George, who's written a lot of the films that I've made. Just it's mostly George just going, I don't know what's happening in life anymore, and me going, <laughs> me, me neither, and him going, I've written a script about it, and me going, cool, let's just make that. That's pretty much how it works. <laughs> I know, I, uh, I kind of, I because I did television production um, in in, mm-hmm. in college as well, so. Uh, uh, I kind of we but our first year is, was mixed with film because we were you know letting people could then like uh, major if you know what I mean in television or film yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, so the first year we all wrote like short scripts and I, like you I couldn't I tried a horror I like I tried writing one but it was like the pansiest horror there ever was because it was basically like just a security guard getting followed around by a cat that scared him every now and again. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I think, I think true horror should be, should be like, should be drawn from life. I think true horror should be someone in their like early twenties getting fired. Like that would be scary <laughs> or, or someone, uh, you know, in their sort of like late to mid twenties who wasn't planning on it, finding out they're pregnant. 
know what I mean? It's like stuff yeah. like that should be really scary. Or like finding out your council tax has gone up. Like those, they're like the, tr- for me, they'd be the stuff that I, I would watch that be like, <gasps> oh my God. Do you know, if, if, if they raise my council tax by like a hundred quid a year or whatever, that would be enough to, that would, that would, I would, that would be a horror film story for me. Yeah, I, I think, think people would buy. It. I think people would get behind that. Well, we kind of we we had something similar because uh, we'd never had a water tax. Well, we had our water <laughs> was paid through our water tax, like through through normal taxes. But then yeah, they yeah. tried to introduce an, an extra water tax, and we like protested for a year, and it was genuinely <laughs> harrowing like times. And then we were like, no. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. I mean, my first year after graduating, I think that would be a good horror film because like we, me and Helen, we'd moved into a flat. Uh, tiny little flat um, that seemed a lot bigger when we went to view it and we had no money for a year and it was really hard to find a job and like that was like that would be a terror I would watch that like in pu- like hands behind my eye, uh, hands over my eyes like not being able to look at the screen just in pure do you in remember, pure fear do you remember the so movie, I don't think I'd be very good at doing them <laughs> do you remember the movie The Money Pit I have never seen the film The Money, the Money Pit now okay it's got I've ruined that segue haven't I <laughs> no I think, you're, I think you're good if I remember right because it's been ages because it's an 80, it's a late 80s movie mm-hmm. it's Tom Hanks during his just like big phase yeah, um, yeah. and I think it's him and possibly Goldie Hawn but I could be misremembering that and they just bought this house but they're trying to restore it Mm-hmm. And it just becomes a money pit of like it keeps like every time they try and fix like a room and something else breaks. And that is like I remember watching it as a kid and being genuinely like tense the whole time because <laughs> it's supposed to be like a wacky comedy of like everything going wrong. But to me, it's like, yeah, it's a horror film. It's like, oh, my God, they've lost all their money on this. Show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, money money is a thing that doesn't really exist in films. is it? Like whenever you see someone who's poor in a film, it's like they're never really that poor. Oh, yeah. Like, like- the. the shitty apartments are always like mansions yeah 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 like friends isn't it like like friends was it this is such a everyone's probably had this conversation a million times in their life if i was about to go into like how the friends apart we don't have to talk about that that's a conversation (laughs) that's probably run its course now well here's the thing though but like i i have had similar conversations in real life recently not on podcasts but like the there's an episode of friends that has become i think more relevant with time which is weird to say as a sentence um but uh <laughs> there was an early episode where the th- the 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 bunch of them are at dinner and then three of them are broke and three of them aren't broke and they had to have that conversation of uh, like, yeah, yeah we c- we can't go for fancy dinners and sorry for like you keep asking us to do it and it's not cool because i'm living that i'm living that episode every day like all my richer (laughs) friends who like did a real job in college and didn't pick like you know a struggling career for themselves are doing great and they're you know living a nice life and and buying houses and i'm like renting with my wife and an extra person like a (laughs) two-bedroom flat in dublin and they want to like it's horribly expensive though isn't it oh this is all i've ever seen about the only thing i know about dublin is something to do with guinness maybe but that's that might just be island and high high cost of living that's the only two things i can tell you about it <laughs> yeah is, is guinness in dublin or if i just is that just me no, being incredibly not xenophobic you know you're right you're bang on the guinness storehouse and the guinness factory yes, uh, i knew it is, is just it's tons actually, of confidence <laughs> sometimes when i because where i live is actually quite close to it so there's mornings where you're going to work or whatever and this is like a waft of like hops <laughs> streaming over the river and it's like if you're hung over it's not a good it's not a good smell to be getting <laughs> but uh so you okay so you because you talked about making films but like you know i met you uh from a comic book convention uh mm-hmm. thought bubble last year and um 
you're like a jack of like 18 trades really at this point am i well i mean like within master of none is the important part (laughs) (laughs) well within comics i mean you letter edit and write Mm. um yeah and then well, filming, I mean, you do quite a few different things. You edit and you, uh, like, you've written some stuff as well, right? Yeah. So, like, I'm I'm sure there's probably other things you do. No. No, is that it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have a lot of, uh, I don't have a lot of spare time, to be fair. Um, so I don't, I don't, there's not a lot of other stuff I can cram in there. I occasionally get to read some stuff, which is quite nice. <laughs> uh, I read, I read the first sort of 20 pages of Alan Moore's Jerusalem before I realized it was like 1100 pages. Oh. So at some point in the next 40, 50 years, I might, I might crack on with that. He's, uh, he's hard to get through. I have to admit. Yeah, it was good. I liked what I read. It was just, it was just, you know, it's so daunting. That's kind of why I like Kindle so much because it's like, you kind of forget how many you don't realize how many page anyway whatever that's, a, that's again that's another boring anecdote and then uh <laughs> this is, this uh, is what yeah. podcasting is for Han. i know in your world when you do like strip and lakeage you're very focused yeah exactly yeah. you can do that but in my world we ramble Sorry. my friend i apologize <laughs> um yeah no i don't i don't really get up to much i like to drink beer um and i like to eat a lot of food as much food as possible um, and then I just read and then I, I watch films and try and I don't really watch that much TV anymore. I, I try to, but I don't, um, I never really get around to it. I, like I just, my ideal world really is just rewatching the wire just over and over and over again. But I don't really even get a chance to do that that much. No, I just like to be, busy. I like to try and stay busy. I think. So you, I'm assuming you kind of basically when you were making, when it came to making things, does the order come in that, like, the when you started doing them, was films, comic review, critique, and then making comics, or have I got that arseways? No, well, I wanted to be, I wanted to be, uh, like, I wanted to be a comic book illustrator because we talked before didn't we, about my like my old art teacher and stuff. Yeah, so I, exactly. I, like, I wanted to be. That was my first plan was to go and what uh, was to go and study like illustration at university and try and become like a comic artist. And I did that. I picked. I put that as a. Um, when you apply for uni, that I was told at the time, anyway, like pick like you know three or four of like the the course you want to do, but have just like a backup course in case you're not really qualified for that course. So, is there anything else? That's what I was. I, was, I think it was a really stupid idea, but I put but I put illustration down as like my my sort of like you know if if everyone's like you should never use a camera ever again, then I'll do illustration. But I want to be a comic artist, but I, I can't draw, and I, I don't think I have the patience to figure it out um very you know like i can i can maybe i can draw like batman's face right but i can't i can't draw back the same face more than once i can't draw (laughs) something twice and then make it look like the same thing unless i have like a comic book that's just full of different people in every single panel um which uh, that yeah that's an idea i'll write that down later yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's something um yeah no i wanted i wanted to be an illustrator and then i got into um I can't even remember how really I got into film. I, I really can't remember what it was. I think I just, maybe I just watched something. Or I think maybe my dad, oh no, that was it. My dad showed me um, Fistful of Dollars. And I'd never really seen like a good film before. Before that, like my favorite film was Meet the Parents, which is not a bad film. 
It's not a good film. It's not a high watermark, though. It's not, no, it's not a good film, but I did. I loved Meet the Parents when I was like 13 or whatever it was. And then my dad showed me Fistful of Dollars because, uh, you know, in my dad's village in Algeria where he's from, they used to have this guy who'd come around and he'd show films every now and then. And he showed a lot of westerns. And so my dad was, you know, my dad was really big on westerns. Um, so, yeah, he showed me Fistful of Dollars. And that, that was the first time where I watched the film and I was like, oh, films can be good. And they can like make you think about things. And I just went into a crazy deep dive and rented loads of stuff out from the library. Um, and then I watched uh, Stalker, which is an Andrei Tarkovsky film, which is just a, if you've never seen it, it's a phenomenal piece of work. Everyone I've shown it to has fallen asleep watching it, um, which is <laughs> testament, in my opinion, a testament to how bloody good the thing is. But I watched that and it was just, it just, it just blew my mind. I never, I didn't realize that you could do film, you can make films that were like that, that were a little bit slow, that asked you to be like a participant of the story. They made you, they made you think about what you were seeing. They made you question why you're seeing stuff. It wasn't just sit back, let's entertain you for for an hour and a half. But it was, it made you become part of it. And I'd never seen anything like that before. Um, it, it's black and white in parts. It's color in other parts. It's it's a, it's a phenomenal piece of work. It just it, it, I can't over like over describe how how just incredible that thing is. But that was that, and that was the real one where I was like, wow. So then I dug into loads of like European films, and then yeah, it just became it just took over a little bit for me. And I, I'd forgotten about kind of forgot about comic books for a while. Um, but that, you know, every now and then it's like the first time you hear the Beatles or whatever, isn't it? It's like every now and then you, something happens to you where you're like, I will, I will remember my life as pre Tarkovsky and post Tarkovsky. <laughs> I kind of, yeah, it's, I, cause I was a little bit like you in the sense of that. I had a couple things in mind when I went to, to apply for, for college courses. Um, cause I, at the time was writing for like an emulation website <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like a head reviewer for like a bunch of nez em- uh, emulators and stuff like that uh, yeah. and so i thought like oh yeah okay this is kind of like this writing jam is really my thing and i even had started writing a screenplay and stuff so i thought like okay this is gonna be my thing and mm-hmm. then uh when i when i applied for a writing course the people in there were kind of more like this is more like news journalism discourse <laughs> and i was like yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. no less fun um and then I, I i my backup was one was uh i did radio and then the, the t- television and film production and, and the guys in the television and film when we kind of did the interview for it uh they seemed much more like you can tell stories here yeah, uh, yeah. and that's kind of what drew me in and then it's it makes sense to me now that i'm trying to write comic books uh that was just like oh yeah that's all i really wanted to do was just tell stories and shit and that was mm-hmm. really my my focus and yeah. so do you, i found that doing television and film first has helped me out in adapting to comics do you feel like because i know you're such a you have such a critical eye and about especially about the format of comics do you feel that there's a crossover in like if you learn both trades that they help each other? I think there's a crossover in that both are visual mediums and in terms of in terms of like to tell a sort of a, a, like a more traditional story. Mm. Um, I think if you if you study film, there is more text available to help you learn how to look at a visual story, like how to look at composition and mise en scène and framing and stuff like that. Um, I always hate saying the word mise en scène because you have to say it in a bit of an accent. Because if you just say mise en, mise en scène, it just sounds... But then you also sound pompous to say mise en scène. You, you either um, have to be that annoying guy at a restaurant or you have to be Del Boy. It's one or the other and it's, it's never good. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, mise en 
some measles. So. And uh, and you uh, like, there's a lot more that can that that can teach you. I think in comics you've got like you've got like three books maybe. You've got like how to draw the Marvel way. You've got um, understanding comics, um, and then you've got. I feel like there's probably one more that I'm completely missing. There's, there's a few writers' guides uh, out there, yeah. like the Bandis and Peter David and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. And then there's Alan Moore's really Alan Moore's. He's more writery, I suppose. But Alan Moore's um, on writing comics essays that Avatar published are incredible. They were like the first things where I'd seen kind of like proper, like sort of intense critical writing um, about comics. But I think it gave what it, what it what it allowed me to do is when I started to talk about you know when I started to like write about comics and do strip panel naked and stuff like that was. It, it made it a lot easier to look at composition and framing and, and, and colors and see some kind of link there and see why those things were happening. Cause that was one thing we, we always got to talk with film was don't, you don't watch the film. You watch how they made the, how they made the film, like the choices they made, the compositions they did, they did. Um, and then all you do is you, you, you try and come up with some kind of theory, you know, like, um, Gran Torino. I think, remember this was an example we used in uni it was Gran Torino, uh, the Clint Eastwood film, there's a lot of low angle shots of him in Gran Torino. And you know, what does that mean? And you decide, does it, he looks more imposing Then you look, kind of like play it out across the whole film. Does that, does that maintain, or is that just a one-off shot that they did? Cause it looked nice. Um, so is that my phone? Oh my God. So, so can you hear that? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I'll move it away. Um, is it still going? Oh, go away phone. Let me just put my, so, I'm so sorry. You're all right. Let, let me put my, uh, aeroplane mode on because that is there you go um yeah so that, that's what i so that's what i try and do is I, if i notice something that's really really like that's really interesting to me in a comic like um uh now i'm trying to dig anything that i've talked about on strip bar league and i can't think of a single episode like uh the red the red in in pretty deadly like geordie blair's use of red in pretty deadly okay. um I, I i look at that and i kind of think well, that's kind of interesting and then you kind of play it out for the rest of the comic and you go like you know does this match does this theory match um, and I don't think there's that much, you know, I don't think there's that much tr- training in that sort of stuff if you aren't doing film or TV. Because I don't, from the illustration courses that I've seen, I don't think there's tons and tons. There might be like a module on graphic storytelling or sequential storytelling or whatever. But, you know, that was one thing that we had to do just every single day of that course was was critique and analyze visual storytelling. And how do we apply that to the stories that we want to tell? Um, so I, th- I think it gave me a really good um sense of how to do that or at least how to apply that and it gave me a ton of books like so many film books about understanding shots and shot composition and theory and all that kind of stuff you know you've got film art and introduction by Baldwin thompson which is just this incredible big thick book that tells you everything about films about how to make films about what goes into it about what each part does about the choices you've got to make as a uh artist or whatever in films a creative person in film but uh, for comics i don't think there's anything quite as quite as dense as that no and i think you know especially because there's there's a few different disciplines in in comics that that add meaning to it like and i think we're seeing a resurgence in people talking about colorists in comics mm-hmm. and and what they add to it and you mentioned jordy about like and because i know her personally i know like she puts so much thought into the colors that she uses and in and, and how it adds theme and stuff like that but like you said there's very there's very few whatever critiques there are out there about art it's usually focused more on on the line art and very little mm-hmm. on, on the other parts of it as well as as a whole like you know very little is ever said about lettering for example um yeah yeah, yeah. that adds things um yeah like so it's so when did you when did you start strip panel naked it's two years now was it no one year one One year year. it's not been very long yeah so that was the reason why as well was was it was a review for something that geordie had colored 
Um, this was like this was it. This was a long time ago because I, I I sat on the first episode for like for like six months or something. Okay. Um, because I didn't think it was that interesting, but I'd, I'd written it in like j- January maybe. I think I'd made it in January last year, and then I I started thinking about it sort of end of end of twenty fifteen, and I'd read some review. I can't remember what book it was, but it, it you know, it, it talks a lot about the writing, you know, it was a couple of paragraphs about either story and stuff like that. And then there was a little bit about the, about the, the line art. Um, and then there was literally, it was like a sentence where it said something, it was something like this. It was like, and Jordi Belair does something really interesting with the colors. And then that was it. And I was like, <laughs> I remember thinking, I think I've told this story before on like the patron and stuff like that. But I remember thinking like, if you know it's interesting or if it's interesting to you, then say why. Yeah. Can, I don't think you can just be like, because on a different podcast that I was on, I, I likened it to like, you know, if you're just having a conversation with someone, it's a bit like an Alpha Papa, the Alan Partridge film, when he walks up to the two people in the radio station at the party and they're talking about like The Godfather or something. He's like, I don't know if you, what I like about the film, it's the camera angles. And then like the people just walked off and it was like, <laughs> it's exactly like that moment. It's like, you've just given like a really base level information and, and then everyone just kind of like has disappeared out of boredom or whatever, but it, but people shouldn't be bored about, I don't know, but it's, yeah, it bothered me a little bit, I guess enough to start a YouTube channel about it and do that for a year. <laughs> but yeah, I, started, I did it in, and I had it in January and then, uh, I, I think I watched it and I didn't, I was worried it wasn't interesting. And so I just left it for a while and I showed it to Helen and she told me, she, she thought it was really good, but she thought I, I sounded really bored. Which is a problem with my voice generally. Okay. Is when I ring when I ring people, they like I've had so many times when I ring people, they're like, "Are you are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, everything." I'm I'm in a really good mood actually. I'm like you just sound you sound really upset. But I think I just have a I just have a bad voice, so I have to I have to be more upbeat in my. Uh, but I'm learning. Yeah, so I sat on it for a while, and then, then we got a dog, and I was at home for a few weeks just looking after the puppy, and I didn't really have much to do. Um, and I was just kind of you know going back through my computer and just uh, getting rid of some files and just making my computer try and run a little bit faster. Um, and I came across this this folder that had uh, this strip pal naked um, video in it. I can't remember what it was called. It wasn't called that at the time. It was just called like Hassan's Moon Night Film or whatever. <laughs> and I <laughs> and I watched it back and I was like, yeah, it's just something to do for you know for for the day for the afternoon. See if I can finish this off. And that's I suppose that's summer. And I sort of re-recorded it and smiled the whole way through the re-recording and uh, had a bit of a good time. I think I laughed like two or three times throughout, which is just incredibly sad. Um, and then and then I showed it to Helen. She was like, yeah, it's much better. And I I was like, oh, I sort of released it and then. Dex saw it and sort of tweeted about it and said some nice things and that, that's that's it really that's just I, then, I, then I felt like an obligation to carry on <laughs> I've been able to get rid of that obligation for a year and it's 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 kind of been a huge success because in a year you've gotten like you've moved not only is that carrying on and, and doing so with a lot of eyes on it um, but you've moved on to panel by panel now as well which is like a digital magazine yeah how do you feel about that? Do you feel do like to, everything? Just to talk about it. Well, no, my, <laughs> just, my, my thing was my thing was more so like, uh, is this where you expected to be? Like, were you kind of like, okay, after making a few strip panel naked videos, where you're kind of like, oh, I really want to get it dive into this more? Or if you if you told yourself a year ago that this would be what you're doing, you'd be like, ah, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a it's been a really weird. It has been in, like genuinely sort of like a life changing year. It's been it's really strange. Um, I, for me, you know, I was looking for some. I was really just looking for something. I think at the time that that I was interested and passionate about, but also that that I was able to do by myself. Because working in film, it's like a lot is just working with other people, and it's like if 
if and it, and it, it took and it, and it required a lot of money as well. Obviously, making films requires a lot of money. So, mm. you know, we we make sort of like one feature a year was kind of our plan, and in between the re- you know for the other sort of like eight or nine months that we're not doing working on that, I didn't really have anything like that creative that I could do by myself, like writing. But then writing was like, you know, am I really going to, is this really film, is this film really going to get optioned? And I didn't really like spending too much time doing that sort of stuff, knowing that it was going to be really, really hard work to kind of get it seen and sold. And maybe I'm a little bit lazy. Um, So I wanted something that I could just make by myself that I could just release and kind of just have something creative to do, you know, on a regular sort of semi-regular basis. Um, and then it turned into every bloody week, which <laughs> so much work. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's, 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 I didn't expect it to be, I didn't expect it to be, you know, I just thought I was making like a kind of, kind of little, you know, like a little niche. I mean, it still is, it is still very niche, but the, you know, I thought I was just making this little niche sort of thing and, you know, maybe a few people would watch it and stuff. And I remember getting, being so excited about hitting a hundred subscribers on YouTube. Oh, <laughs> that was so cool, man. That was so cool. Um, <laughs> And then hitting a thousand was was ridiculous. Uh, and I was talking to someone about it six months ago. Where I think no, it was probably a little much longer than that ago. Actually, it was. It, I think we had I had about two thousand subscribers, something like that. And I remember thinking, like, you know, there isn't a big market for this because comics themselves don't get a lot of readers. You know, big titles sell what like forty thousand, fifty thousand copies. Yeah, that's about all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not a that's massive. That's worldwide. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. So it's not a big. So I was thinking, you know, two to five thousand is is quite is ten percent of a big comic audience who care for some reason about uh, my ramblings on sequential visual storytelling or whatever. Um, And people have yeah, people have been like resonated with it really, really strongly. And then um, I, you know, I I can't, I genuinely can't describe how weird it is to think back like a year later, because a year before, because you know. I, yeah, like I said, I've got like I've lettered things, I've edited things, I've written things, I've been working with artists on some cool stuff, and um, I got to write for Comics Alliance, which is like my favorite website. Um, uh, and I now we've got this magazine, and loads of people have said really, really nice things about it. And it's like, I, I think it goes to show that if you're passionate about something, then it's worth at least sort of doing it, just doing it and seeing what happens. Because this is if you you know if I'd have, if I'd have told you a year ago that I was going to start a YouTube channel about uh, I'm gonna look at cool stuff in pages of comics and stuff you'd be like cool yeah. but you wouldn't I don't think you'd expect like people to actually care about it that much and I never expected people to care about it that much but it's amazing it's amazing the response is ridiculous I think it's, it's incredible like the and people keep tuning in every week I, I, I don't quite understand it but I'm glad that it kind of serves some purpose well, I think, like you said, is it's it was something. Uh, it's a subject that you're passionate about. It's a subject that you have a good amount of a good base of knowledge on, um, because you have like you know some experience with other things as well. And I think you know because I think people just like it when someone gives a shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing. Like, like you said, comics is a niche thing, and I think comic book. It's it's a it's a plus and minus that comic books are such a is such a small community because a it it makes people really passionate about it and really into it and really kind of it, it excited about it. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it also leads to weird gatekeepers and some of the toxic <laughs> elements of it as well, which is a problem. Um, yeah. But because everyone's so close to it, um, they there's a great support network there that if someone is doing something uh, within comics that is good. 
everyone will hoist it up. And I think that's what's happened with, with your work on, on this sort of stuff is that everyone's kind of like, hey, someone knows what they're talking about. Everyone should look at this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I think like, not that because I, 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 it's not like I was the, it's not like I was the first person to start talking like kind of like this about comics or whatever. But there is, you can, like, you know, Comics Alliance was doing a lot of really cool stuff like that before you had stuff like sequ- Sequart, sec- sec- Sequart, I don't know how you would say it. Oh, yeah, se- yeah. Sequential, Sequart, I suppose. Um, then you know, like the Comics Journal and stuff like that. So there, there was there was that kind of stuff um, already being done. And it's and it, I think that all I wanted to do was kind of just try and contribute in some way to to that part of the, that part of the dialogue. Because it's, it's, for me, it's like so much of it is about like, um, just like news and uh, like who's working on this and what's happening to this character and stuff like that. And it's like, that to me is like, I don't get me wrong. Like I like that sort of stuff and I read that sort of stuff, but I think, you know, when you want to look at it like film and you, and you see so many like visual essay, you know, YouTube channels about film that like they're they're all over the place and they're they're like a lot of the time they're really, really interesting. And I didn't see that many or, well, I didn't really see any in terms of the way that like I kind of, I wanted to approach it for, for comic books. You saw, I saw a lot of like, um, uh, you know, sort of like nerd sync and stuff where they were kind of like looking at character histories and things like that. Um, but I didn't see any of that were kind of like looking at the sort of the storytelling aspects as much, say, as I want, as I wanted to. Because that's the stuff that really, I, that's the stuff that I just get really, really excited about. <laughs> Again, this sort of sad as that is, that's stuff that like I get, I'm like, I didn't really, that's just so cool. I want to tell people about this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think the thing with film, you know, the reason why film, not just because obviously it's got a bigger audience, but a part of, I think I do, I, personally think anyway a big part of that is that we look at film like it is like a genuine piece of like you know genuine art form like you can create a piece of art from film and even even stuff like you know it boggles my mind really that you can that there's so many pieces written about the big superhero movies like wonder woman you know like how amazing wonder woman is and um there's a lot of like articles written about the artistic quality and 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 the resonance that that film has and yet you know there's like a really good Wonder Woman comic with Greg Rooker and um, is it Liam Sharp as well, isn't it? And but that's not it's not really treated in the same way. It's like, why aren't we critically talking about like how amazing that is? And because I think we have this general thing of like superhero, obviously, it's the traditional thing. Superheroes are for kids or whatever. Comic books are for kids. But yeah. they are in one regard true. But that doesn't mean that they aren't doing some really, really interesting stuff with storytelling to make you have a certain response to that sort of stuff. Like I talked about Hawkeye recently, the the one that Kelly Thompson and um, and um, Leo Romero mm. is doing, uh, and Jordi Belair's coloring, um, and that has got so many interesting, really clever like like bits of work in its panel design, and it's and it's and the the content of the panels, and it's like okay, cool, it's yeah, it's like a Veronica Mars s kind of you know um, plucky girl detective sort of story, and in some way you can look at that and be like, well, that's not high art or whatever. But I believe, and I'll go on record as saying that I think some of the stuff they're doing in there should be considered like that because some of that stuff is really clever storytelling. And there's all this dismissiveness to it because it's, you know, someone in, in sort of tights with a bow and shooting people. But it's like, why should that why should that matter? If, if, we're, if we're able to talk about how amazing the Avengers movie is or whatever, or like how incredible Guardians of the Galaxy is or the piece of cool art, then why can't we do the same thing about comics? And I just wanted to try and contribute again like you know i just want to kind of contribute to that in some way yeah no i get that entirely because i think like i 
that sounded like I was being really disparaging to Guardians of the Galaxy and whatever Avengers, <laughs> which I'm not. <laughs> no, but I think the thing is, like, they have, like, you know, 100 million and more budgets and they have enough people defending them. Um, like, I, I, do, I do another podcast called The Drive-In of Doom, which is basically once a month we do a movie commentary for a comic book adaptation. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so we'll watch it and we'll talk about it. And, like, you know, nine times out of ten, uh, I have to talk about like inherent sexism and <laughs> really like just some like awful things that like are in subtext of within the movie. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I think people aren't being critical enough with these movies sometimes um, because I think it's fascinating because it's like if it's I think I think I think although obviously I think just because the sort of things that I see on Twitter are from people that obviously love comic books, so we're we're sort of naturally deep de- de- um, deposed. Predis- predisposed predisposed yeah that's the one predisposed deposed that's like a deposition predisposed <laughs> yeah. to uh to just kind of want to like them anyway because to us it's kind of like seeing something you know it's a kind of like seeing our little baby blossom onto some big yeah, screen it's, it's or whatever. a celebration like, of a character that we like yeah, yeah. But, but you know they aren't great films for the most part um generally critically you know if you want to be sort of like if you want to kind of go hard on them and not give them a break they are for the most part, I don't think particularly they wouldn't. They're not going to stand up. I would say, you know, against great films, quote 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 unquote great films. Um, that's again now. So that also sounds quite disparaging. But also, on the, but on the flip side, they're not meant to be that. They're not designed to be that. So as to what they're trying to do, they achieve what they're trying to do very very well. But we treat them in comparison to the comics. We treat them like they are like this really like high level of art, this upper echelons of sort of um, storytelling when. And by doing that, I think my problem by doing that is is that you what you really do is denigrate the comics medium because people that uh, I don't know if this is going to go down a hole that probably is going to make me sound really bad, but in the in the sort of film world, you know, you know, like in terms of people talking critically about films, they aren't people aren't going to, as I say, they're not going to rant and rave about the Avengers being a, a great piece of storytelling. It's not it's not necessarily going to make you know like Sight and Sounds top ten films of twenty sixteen list or whatever. Yeah, but but it's not a bad film. But it's but then. By everyone else, rather than talking about the comics themselves, or even even a little bit talking about the comics themselves, by all these other pop culture outlets only talking about the movies and you know a, a sort of a, a little throwaway reference to the comic books. You're by by that nature, you're sort of denigrating the medium by itself because you're saying it's that's not worthy of talking about like this. And really, a lot of this stuff is led by the is led by the websites and the media and the news outlets because if they just started talking about comics, then people would have to take them seriously. And that's that's part of the panel by panel you know philosophy almost or whatever is if we can talk about this in a serious way then hopefully the like that will rub off on people's perceptions of this work because if any if the guardian started you know wrote a think piece or whatever about how good the wonder woman comic is then people would read that and they would they would start to take it seriously they wouldn't just go oh that's that's just nonsense i don't want to read comic books they would read that and kind of they would assume you're coming from a position of of authority but we, we we don't do that and we don't see that very often that was a weird rambling tangent but no somewhere I, in there was a point i think no because <laughs> i understand because in, in a weird sense because i've been thinking about this lately because um i and i'm probably gonna get some booze uh from people but <laughs> um i i went to see the wonder woman movie and i wasn't as thrilled with it as the rest of the world seems to be um, mostly, be- <laughs> mostly because um, I think a big, a big thing that bugged me was uh, there was actually a great uh, think piece on on YouTube uh, that I might link you to if you haven't seen it. Was which is about the idea of the trope, uh, especially within sci-fi and fantasy, of born sexy yesterday, uh, which are female <laughs> characters who are basically created. 
that don't know what sex is, but they're incredibly sexy and yeah, they kind of yeah. latch onto the first guy they see, which is pretty much <laughs> what happens with the Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. And what really annoyed me was like the longest scene in the movie was like her and him and uh, Chris Pine on a boat uh, talking about how yeah, she yeah. understands what sex is. Like, and I just like, why, why are we spending so much time with this? This is not needed. But like, do you know that like my penis is like close to your virgin? No, it's fine. It's cool. I, I know what sex is. It's like, okay, okay, guys, we get it. Like she can fuck him if she wants to. Like, we get this. And yeah, like so yeah. much of the movie was built around her looks. And, and so like, I understood that people, because Hollywood is inherently sexist, that people were mm-hmm. excited to see a female led movie and a female directed mm-hmm. movie. And that's great. But people talking about how much it meant to them to see Wonder Woman on screen when I'm kind of like, why is her being on screen a validation when she's been in comic books for 60 years right why yeah, can't you exactly. take that yeah. same inspiration from her being in the comic books like why is that suddenly why is she now important because she's on a movie um so yeah i've yeah. been thinking about that a lot as well it's 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 a strange thing that it's it, like people are like well where's our this character movie like where's our wasp movie where's our uh i don't know like giant man movie i don't know whatever but like <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just like it, they're not—they're not real until they're made into a movie for some reason. Yeah, yeah, and that—and that, that you know—it comes back to I suppose the point I guess I was trying to make was that if we don't talk about them in that way, if we if we only reserve that type of talk for the films, then we do diminish. Like you were saying, it's almost like why? Like it's only worth talking about if it becomes a film, and and that I don't like that to me is not the case because there is probably a thousand better comic book stories of wonder woman than there are than that film was not that the film was bad it was it was it was too long <laughs> Jeez, was it long yeah wow and that was my big thing walking out of the cinema was wow that was like 30 to 40 minutes way longer than it should have been but which then is, that's, a whole, a co- that's a common thing these days unfortunately oh why i'm firmly of the belief that a film it rarely does a film need to like justify being longer than 90 minutes 90 minutes is a sweet spot for te- just because you've got more story to put in doesn't mean you have to put more story in like there's a reason for director's cuts, and I think that 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 was a good case for a director's cut. Anyway, the rest of the film was okay. It was just it was just way too long, but it's like it's yeah, like you say, it's only validated because we can see it on the big screen making like you know hundreds of millions of dollars, which is cool that it did that. Uh, like I don't want to take anything anything away from that, but there are great Wonder Woman stories um, that we're just going to gloss over because the film was really good. So yeah, it's like we need to talk about comics in the more. Um, in a more in a, in a in a more broad way on bigger outlets is that that would be my you know my dream for the future is to get that to happen but um it requires everyone i think it requires a lot of outlets just tipping their hat a little bit and just saying let's just try it yeah. um but i don't yeah it's you just don't see it very often i think and I, th- I think there's people believe there isn't a need there there isn't an audience for it and hopefully that's hopefully strip panel naked has proved that there is somewhat of an audience for this kind of stuff in some in some way but we can build that audience as well you know my stuff is just little in a little corner somewhere it's not like a lot of people have really seen it so put some put some work like that out on a bigger platform and see how people respond to it at least give it a go rather than saying you know it won't get enough clicks or whatever but that's a whole that's you know that's like a that's a movement for another time (laughs) yeah but i think i think it's nice to see that you're doing it as a youtube channel and not as a uh like a series of articles um because i think like you said it's a visual medium and i think um being able like i think the next step is like because i remember as a kid i was always like you know played video games and stuff Mm -hmm. and i adored seeing a video game tv show 
yeah, because yeah. it was kind of like again it's that i think it's it's, a, it's almost like a validation that you see it in a separate place but yeah, like yeah. there's no tv shows about comic books that aren't like you know terribly derivative uh like about yeah. like you know oh let's build let's pretend to be a superhero with stan lee um <laughs> so uh yeah i just kind of it, it's it's nice to see it on YouTube uh, specifically because I think it's mm. uh, you don't see especially YouTube many YouTube uh, think pieces about comics, which is it's just nice as well. Well, it made sense, like you said, it is a visual medium. And that, you know, my 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 inspiration, not that I don't think any episodes have reached the sort of quality of every frame of painting, but that was the sort of stuff where I was like, you know, it makes sense for him to do this as a as a little essay, visual essay, or whatever. I don't really like the term visual essay, but as a visual essay. Um, so that's what that's the stuff that it made sense to me to do that, which is why, like, in a lot of like my a lot of the stuff for Comics Alliance as well, kind of I doodled all over the the images that I stuck in the articles and um, on the Patreon every every for every episode I do like a bunch of annotated pages where I've just like scribbled all over them and pointed stuff out and blah 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 because you, you do need to do that in some way. Um, but I but you I mean you can talk like because now if I don't say that you can talk about it in, in writing form then I'm sort of putting down the whole panel by panel magazine so you can. There are things you can say in in writing. Oh yeah, well, work. that but that's a, but that's a different that's a different game again because I I think you're doing something slightly different with panel by panel as well. Yeah, aren't you? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But I because I, I, I Scott McLeod read panel by panel and he said in his response to me that he, he was he was wondering if I'll reach the point where I blend somehow blend the sort of like writing parts and then the video essay parts into like you know like the magazine and the video essay into some weird hybrid of of like video magazine or something in the future um and i was like that blew my mind so i was trying to figure that i was like mate i was like yes maybe um so i've I've been thinking about that like i don't know if there's a way to make something like that work but you know you need to have images when you're talking about visual when you're talking about visual medium you need to be able to um that was you know that's always the shortfall with the books with film books as you see like i think in film art introduction there's loads of pages where it's just like um a bunch of frames in a row from the film because obviously they can't there's no like play button to just watch it on the page so it's a sort of slight downfall when you're writing about visual mediums but the nice thing about comics is because they're static you can just put pages up or panels up and then you know you've got your visual you've got your frame of reference straight away you don't need to see any movement in there yeah um but I think that you need to you need to have that. I mean, that's that, I, like that. That was my thing: is you need to. If I'm going to tell you about a page, then, then you, you need to see it. And if I need to point something out, then I have to. I'm going to have to stick a little arrow in there to point it out or whatever. Like, yeah. there needs to be that. <laughs> um, have you found that like that doing this crit- critical work has changed how you write when you're actually uh, writing for you know the medium? A little bit, yeah. In that, I just let the artists do a lot more because <laughs> they're that smarter is, than I am. That is a trick, though. It really is. It's something that I think writers have to learn when they must start making comics. Is like trust your artist. Yeah, because for for me, the stuff that I've written, um, not that anyone's really probably ever seen very much of it, um, but the stuff that I've written that's been drawn is they they all the scripts all start with the same thing on every single page, which is you know. This is what I'm trying to do with this page. If you if you have a better way of doing it, then you know go ahead. Because yeah. the idea behind each sequence or whatever that that I write is there's meant to be some you know there's meant to be a reason behind that sort of sequence happening. So I kind of try and explain the reason um, more so than the action, if that makes sense. So I, I kind of say you know this is the action, but you know it's framed under the, the the guise of like this is why we're seeing this. So if you have a better idea for to way to make this visually work, then go for it and. Everyone, uh, you know, the, of the sort of handful of artists I've worked with, they, they've all done that. They've all 
change the script uh and <laughs> but for the better though that's the thing for the better because i see it like as a writer director thing and the writer that i work with george a lot in films he'll, he'll probably hate me for saying this but you know if he gives me a script then i essentially i kind of feel like i've got some leeway to change that around to, to decide what works better and you know a, a film script doesn't necessarily well it doesn't it doesn't tell you camera angles anyway if it's if it's a smart writer he'll imply it they'll imply a lot of that um, but it doesn't tell you that. So it's you as a director and a cinematographer. Um, so it's me and the guy that I normally work with, Scott. We we would sit down and figure out the best way visually of telling this story. And like that's what I see. Like the artists can bring to it is I know how that works with film, and I've got an idea, I guess, how, how that works with with comics. But you know, they're the ones that are going to be drawing it, and they're the ones that are, that are going to create this world. So I don't want to dictate to them too much and have it. You know, it needs to be like this. I think there's certain there's probably certain bits in scripts where I've said like I'm really hoping it'll be this, but Again, it's like, you, this is the whole point of it being collaborative. It's so much fun to see what someone else comes up with from, the, from your little scrawlings on the, on the page. Like, the one that I, the, there's a book I'm doing now with an uh, artist called uh, Juni, and it's this uh, sort of all-ages graphic novel thing called Felix, The Unlikely Story of Felix and Macabre. And the, the work he has done on that, on that book is just insane. And, you know, I'll give him, like, a page of script, and he'll come back to me with, like, three pages of comic which is not ideal, but it is ideal in the, in the graphic novel form because we can kind of do a bit more, you know, we're not restricted as much necessarily by pages. But the, the stuff he comes back with is just, I would have never have thought of that. And it's like, why, why, would I, why would I imagine if I had have told him to stick to what I've written and he would have never <laughs> put that down and I would never have been staring at this giant bat that's like a judge for a, for a wrestling fight. And it's like, I, would have not, I wouldn't have had that if, if he didn't, if he didn't just go go do his own thing on those pages, and like that to me, that's the really exciting part is like sending off the script and saying you know do whatever and seeing what seeing what comes back because the magic of that is so cool. Yeah, and it's it's really is the exciting part of and like you said, it, it it's it, it's both film and and comics is is the <laughs> collaboration part of it. Um, what are you working on at the moment as far as like film is concerned? Are you working on anything right now? We're wrapping up uh, the post-production of uh, a feature called Toy Men, um, which I'll be probably like uploading the trailer for within the next sort of month or so. Um, and that that was really fun. So that that was that was a uh, uh, same same film. It's it's like two blokes in their sort of like late twenties who work in in a kind of boring job, and two women uh, in their late twenties who uh, are going through some stuff. And you know, a guy from one heart, a guy, one of the guys from the bloke side is kind of having a bit of a reflection on life. And one of the girls from the girl side is having a reflection on life. And they both at the same time decide to kind of like just go camping for a weekend and see what happens, you know, individually. And they, they both end up in the same spot. They don't, they don't meet each other. Oh, man, I'm ruining it now and I'm giving it away. They, <laughs> spoilers, they, spoilers. They, yeah, they, uh, but they, they both go off on the camping trip and they both have very, very different experiences to the whole thing. Um, but it's it's fun. It's like a funny rom. It's not really a rom. It's like a rom com, but without the rom. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's. But it's good. It's it's good fun. So we're we're wrapping that up at the moment, um, and then hopefully we're 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 looking at doing another feature this year. Um, but I probably can't say what yeah. that's about. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair because I know I know uh, when it's, if it's too far away. <laughs> yeah, we haven't. There's nothing that's really happened with that yet. So we we've got like scripts and stuff, but it's we're just you know it's still early stages. I love how you describe like your your film stuff as like just like a lot of people with existential crises, and then you talked about like a comic you're working on where there's like a giant bat judge for a wrestling match. <laughs> like they couldn't be further away from each other. Well, the thing with, the thing with films is you know that you've got a budget, so like you've got 
we, we've got a set amount of money that we've got to make that film work and films are really expensive because we you know we're lightweight but we still have a crew of like 10 11 people and then we've got the cast on top of that and we've got to buy like rent locations and travel and mm. equipment and all that kind of stuff when it's when it's comics it's just uh, an artist um you know or a team of artists or whatever so you can so you have no budget apart from their time so uh you can just do these crazy over the top monster universes that we're doing with Felix and Macabre where it's, you know, it's like monsters who are on floaty heads that go on massive bodies with tangly arms that emit smoke and stuff and have this big fight where this bad judge reigns over them. You can do that because like that doesn't cost me billions of pounds in um, special <laughs> effects. It just cost me the artist's time to, to want to draw that. Um, so that, to that, yeah, that's 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 what I found super fun about comics is all the high concepts stuff that I would never dream of doing in film. Uh, I can I can. It's also been really hard though because you know I, for for how long now? So what we in two thousand six seventeen? So for like ten eleven years, I've only been able to make uh, really sort of personal little dramary kind of comedy things. So to uh, to actually have to think about like doing something big and crazy is it that was that was probably the hardest challenge of trying to write comics was actually like coming up with something that was worth someone drawing in the first place because it's, <laughs> it's weird to get into that mindset of thinking like i can write anything and it doesn't matter <laughs> and so but yeah so that's that bit's that bit's kind of been fun have you ever been tempted to take like a script that you had made originally for film but never did anything with and then try to translate it to a comic book and you're like oh i could just use this for a comic then yeah, but it's super boring because it's just people talking. And I, 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 re I really think people sat around talking is like the worst use of comics as a medium. Ghost World and like something with it. like <laughs> It's different. Like, yeah, because then you've got stuff like like uh, like Charles Burns and like uh, Black Hole and stuff, which kind of has that element to it. And you've got a lot of Daniel Close, who I, who I love. Like Wilson is essentially just people talking. Um, but and so is building stories. But again, it's they use the medium in a bit of an interesting way. I, I, I personally haven't seen... In terms of the, yeah, no, you're right, aren't you? There are some <laughs> comics that do it quite well. For, uh, for me, I, I just think for me, for what I want to write, I just don't think it's the best use of the medium, and especially especially for like big over the top stories. Like, I could I could have two people talking about their feelings, or you could or you could do something really crazy like Mobius esque to replicate to like visually understand their their ideas. And now I'm not like again, I'm not sort of saying the stuff that doesn't do that isn't interesting because yeah. it is. But I think. With, when you've got that flexibility, like, why not try to do something a little bit different? Yeah. Well, I mean, you could always just set two people talking on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or just don't have them talking. You know, you don't have, people don't have to talk to each other. You can just, you could, there could be, like, two people not, like, if you want people to, if you want to have a scene where you need to get some, like, information across about someone's feelings, depending on the type of thing, and that's the thing, you know, with Ghost World, is that it's meant to be a very down-to-earth, in a sense, sort of indie-movie-esque type of story. So in that regard, you do kind of have to have people kind of wandering around and talking about stuff. And, it's, you know, same with, like, Wilson or David Bohr, and there's a lot of that sort of element to those books. But if you if you want, if you're... If, if, there is more interesting ways, I suppose. Oh, that makes that proper makes it sound like I'm having a go at those books. I've got, I've got copies of all that. I really like those books. David Bourne is one of my favorite comics of all time. I like how you're constantly like worried about like everybody like turning on you with pitchforks because you. No, it's, no, because 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 I'm like I'm basically I'm like having a conversation in my own head where I'm going like you, but you like those stories. And I was like, yeah, no, I like those stories, brain. But I also don't necessarily think that's the best use of the medium. But the but then my brain's going, yeah, but there's there, you, some of your favorites like um, 
uh, Blankets is like one of my favorite comics, and Essex County trilogy, and that's mostly just people talking to each other. And I was like, yeah, I know. Well, don't. I'm trying to make a point here, and now my brain's going against it. So it's it's tough to make the point I wanted to make. But for the most for the most part. I would say that there are maybe that you could probably come up with more interesting ways to do that. So that's what I try and do is try and come up with a slightly more. No, I'm not saying that I do, but I would try at least, I, you know, you've got to give me points for trying. Yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. And I'm so well, sorry. No, no, I get it. Because I think I think what's probably <laughs> happening is because you you're scratching an itch of the people talking and that sort of stuff in film. So you mm. don't need to scratch that itch with yeah, comics. Yeah. Yeah. So that's your that's your that's your playtime. You're going to do something a little bit more fun and, and out there. Yeah. So yeah. I can I figure out a way to say that. Yeah. That's that's <laughs> that's a better way than what I was. Whatever I was saying, that was much better. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, I feel like on that note, I should probably release you before you just like eat yourself. You know what you like just having a conversation in your own head. And, yeah. But you're also trying to talk to someone at the same time because it's worse because it's being recorded. So, like in a regular conversation, I probably would have just been stood there in silence for like five minutes. So I tried to figure <laughs> that out. But there's there is like a requirement for me to make noise at, at right now. So yeah. that's why whatever noises came out of my mouth, you, uh, you that was f- a verbalization of that conversation in my head. Yeah, you're just like I need to fill time here, so I gotta <laughs> I gotta get the words out. That's I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> try doing it. Impro- not they're not a good medium for me. Yeah, I don't think. <laughs> Well, uh, okay, so we'll 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 wrap you up then. We'll get you out. We'll release you. You can pet your dog and just like have a little Thank bit you. of therapy. Um, there's two things we have to do. First of all, uh, you need to tell me the name of the song that we're gonna play out on. I give everybody who I interview the option of their walkout music. Oh um, wow! So you can choose any song as long as I can find it. Uh, can I have? Um, oh, can I have? Uh, can I just all right? Let me quickly check the name of the song. Okay. Right. Uh, it's a it's a it's a really cool band called Tank and the Bangers, um, <laughs> and they have uh, a new. They had a song that came out this year. Um, that is, it's called like. Are you? How are you finding it? Are you? What's the the usual internet ways? <laughs> okay, okay. Quick. So the song's called "Quick" by Tank and the Bangers. Okay. So bang, bangers is like B A N G A A B B A N G A S. Tank and the Bangers. Ah, uh, bangers. All right. Yeah, it's such a cool song. Okay, cool. Well, uh, that's good. I, what I enjoy about doing this is A, I love putting people on the spot uh, and B, um, I'm getting lots of unusual answers. <laughs> so this is wonderful. I'm, I'm finding new music by doing this. Uh, and the other thing is like, what do you want to plug? What do you want to tell people about before we leave? Um, well, I suppose the thing to plug is probably Panel by Panel, which is the new digital magazine that we talked about earlier, mm. um, which you can find at panelbypanel.com. That's panelxpanel.com. Um, and it's just like a new, it's a, like a new magazine that I'm editing. Um, that's got like a bunch of really cool people in, in it talking about their favorite comics and each, each issue, the first half we focus on a single comic book. So the, the first issue, the first issue talks about beautiful canvas, which is a new black mass book. And we've got like a, an interview with the, the creators. We've got the colorist Triona, who's doing a, a process piece. We've got, um, I do a strip panel naked article about it. We've got uh, an essay on uh, the femme fatale in comics, and we've got an essay on sort of double meanings in that in that in that story. And then at the back end of the book, there's loads of instead of reviews, we do comic highlights. So we've, I've got like a bunch of writers like Kieran Gillen and Declan Shalvey and Sarah Horrocks and um, 
tons of people. Who else? Claire Napier, who writes for women who write about comics, and we've got we've got loads of we've got loads of different voices who tell you like comics that they've been really enjoying recently. So it's not it's not really a review as opposed to just like a friend telling you about a book they've loved. Mm. Um, craft pieces like Aditya Bidikar who letters like Black Cloud and uh, Winnebago Graveyard and stuff like that. He's written a piece on lettering and there's just there's a short comic in there. There's like it, it, it we talked earlier about like what comics writing could be or what writing about comics could be and this is kind of like my template of what I think comics writing could be is, is panel by panel and that sounds really pretentious and a little bit grandiose but no, that's what you gotta say like, you sell it man yeah it's my blueprint I suppose for what I would like to read about comics and I hope and hopefully you know it's got people have said some really nice things about it so far so hopefully um hopefully people will kind of enjoy that that part of it as well and so the first issue comes out uh, on June 28th, um, but you can pre-order it now, depending on when this goes out. It might be out, uh, but you can pre-order it now. It'll, this will be up today, but yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, amazing, okay. So you can pre-order it now. Uh, it's only $2, uh, and there's like, you know, 80-odd pages of content in there and stuff, so it's, uh, hopefully it's quite a bit of sort of bang for your literal book because it is in dollars. Was that a good plug? Did that sell it? I think so. I think that was good yeah. work, yeah. I don't think uh, I could have done you, a better job. Would you pre-order it based off of that? Um, I I will pre-order it because I was planning to pre-order it anyway. Um, I'll send you a copy. Oh, that's the, fine. Well, aha, see, you, yeah. I mean, just tell everyone you pre-ordered it. Yeah, so will do. <laughs> it's so it sounds like people want to pre-order it. This, we've we've done we've done well. It's, it's it's had a better reaction than I than I really ever expected. So it's it's I'm incredibly chuffed and happy with what we kind of the response that we've had so far. Um, but I'm, I'm, now I'm just a bit nervous about getting into sort of people's hands and see what they think. But we'll, yeah, we'll see in nine days. Yeah, well, I, I'm no, I'm excited to see it, and I'm excited to see future ones because I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that I think the the joy of it is then kind of seeing how it grows as it goes along, which is going to. Do you be... know what we're doing for number for the issue two? No. Oh, the issue two is also going to be awesome. Most of it's or all the most of the sort of articles have been assigned already, but it's that's going to be a really fun one as well. I had an, an article back for the for the feature book that I won't mention yet. For what for what we're doing for oh it's so good it's real good yeah I'm I'm excited about it I'm excited about it it's literally it's literally taking up all of my time but it's I'm like I'm really excited about it okay well just to because I think it's a perfect uh, bookend to this conversation that we've had because uh, I started it off by making it a tit of myself trying to pronounce your surname um, <laughs> I'm going I'm going to now make a tit of you uh, because her name is pronounced Trina. Oh no! Yeah. I've been saying that for so long as well. <laughs> I don't think I said this were in person, which is good. Okay, good. Yeah, but <laughs> Irish people, man. Oh, listen. like your your name's okay, right? But like right. The, when at Thought Bubble, I met Owen uh, Marin. Yeah, and I had no idea how to pronounce that name, and that was like the first thing I said to him because it's spelled like E O I N. So is it like is it Ian? Is it Owen? Is it Eoin? Like, how do you? <laughs> so the first thing I said to him, I was like, I was like, I'm really sorry because I don't want to be like the guy who just says like, "Hey, Ian," and his name's not Ian. So uh, yeah, I, I, that was like the first thing I asked him. I was like, I don't know how to say your name, and I'm so sorry. Yeah, because usually that's what happens to me. So it was, it was nice to be on the other end of it for once. <laughs> well, see, we have the beautiful thing of the Irish language doesn't have the full English alphabet, um, right, okay. so we don't have a W. So like, we couldn't, we literally couldn't spell it O W E N. So yeah, well, so, yeah, what's that? I that's what I've learned today. That's my new thing. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. We, we we're missing we're missing a Y. We're missing a, a W. <laughs> yeah, we know Ys. Say anything. How do you say yes? Uh, we say ta t a. Uh, fun. Oh right. Yeah. So, um, but any Y kind of those sort of things are we just use two consonants in ways that confuses everybody. 
Is it like the A and E, or is that a different one? Well, for like a W sound, we'd use like an M and H. Wow. And for a V, because we don't have V, we use B, H. Um, yeah, like Diablo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah, so we just, we just basically fucking with the world. That's, that's horrible. Yeah, that... <laughs> I literally, I've had to Google so many Irish names in the past year <laughs> before, I, before I speak to people. It's like, because I, like, I don't want to be that person who just like starts calling people like random, like clearly wrong names. But yeah. Feel free to, to DM me anytime. I will give you the, uh, <laughs> the, the phonetic pronunciation of any name Thank that you need. That'll be helpful. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, As. Uh, yeah, no, this has been, that's been good fun. Yeah, it's been good. I all right. I, I, I liked it, and I think other okay. people will, so that's a bonus. <laughs> good. Down by the river where the green grass grow when the sun be burning. Take your penny old, don't nobody know where you go. Just know the block just got high. When you see a tray, gotta be slate, gotta be quick, gotta get get for you get. And ain't no telling what I'm gonna do tonight. I strolled a funeral room full of I met somebody's room now. I should took him by the hand, I slipped Next thing that I know, he was reaching for his wallet. Driving real fast, take full of gas, cash. It plays not so fast. Come and pass my quest, please. Slow, take it slow, take it slow, take it slow. Marco, thanks for it. Bet that bass makes wood through sirens, cause I see him looking a mile away. You have a body, don't see my face. And with them girls, gonna play the play. My back is aching, my heart too tight, my bones shaking from left to right. Should I get out? No, no. I gotta make a quick decision, so my hand moves to that dough. But I get a flashback of a recap of the night before. Lord.